job up. Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys Podcast, <laughs> an in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. You may know our guest from Making Star Wars Rebel Girl Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Jess? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited for tonight's episode as we start entering the original trilogy. Um, I'm one of those original trilogy kids, and it's kind of meaningful to start talking about those. Um, I heard recently that A New Hope holds a special place in your heart. Can you tell me a little bit more about why that is and what it means to you? Yeah. um, A New Hope is my favorite Star Wars film, and it's definitely my most watched. Um, It's probably between that and The Phantom Menace, oddly enough. I watch those two the most. Um, Rogue One is creeping up there to be one of my favorite Star Wars films, though, and I think it's just because uh, it's linked to A No Hope so closely, um, so it gives me all the feels um, fr- from A New Hope, you know, going, mm. you know, kind of into like a tragic end for these characters into a, a new set of characters, essentially, even though they are the original characters for most of us. Yeah, Rogue One definitely makes a lot of Leia scene. Uh, like more impactful, especially when she's on Tantive Four or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that it makes that opening sequence so much more stressful and urgent feeling. Yeah, <laughs> just because you know what they just escaped. So it's yeah, it's I love it. That's awesome. We have a couple of poll questions. Would you go over those with me? Yeah, of course. Great. The first poll is: Who is your favorite character in A New Hope? And the options I gave were Darth Vader, Han Solo, uh, Luke Skywalker, and, of course, Princess Leia. And the winner of the vote was, with 44% of the vote, was Luke Skywalker, the protagonist. Which of those is your favorite? Um, I would definitely say Leia. Awesome. Um, And actually, I really like Han Solo. He's, like, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, but... This this is Leia's movie. Like, even though it's, you know, we're introduced to Luke, like, Leia really steals a lot of the scenes that she's in. She does. She's very, very bold. Um, and she thinks on her feet a lot in this movie that's kind of amazing, especially mm-hmm. for how old she was at the time. Oh, my God, yes. To, um, I, th- I, I think it's pretty creative that uh, what she does with R2. I mean, we'll get into that, but my favorite character in this movie is Darth Vader when I Mm. was a kid he pretty much reminded me of my dad um just Uh. being like an intimidating presence that you kind of walk on eggshells around um and he he just kind of personified evil a lot in my opinion so uh, yeah I really connected with him as a character (laughs) I was super scared of him when I was a kid I remember um, watching this with my dad when I was, I think I was before I was even in school and uh, I would have to hide my face in the couch every time Darth Vader was on screen. Cause I was so freaked out by him. Yeah. Like in the seventies, um, they actually used Darth Vader in a haunted house locally, um, where they had a room with Darth Vader, a guy in a Darth Vader mask. And he was saying that like he just scared the crap out of me as a kid oh. when we went through that. So that's it kind of so, scarred me a little. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good villain to have in the haunted house. I think they used the uh the the interrogation with Leia with that probe droid with the needle to kind oh, of no. make it even worse. <laughs> I mean, it, it was very scary as a child. And my parents were uh part of the group that ran the haunted house, so I had to see it a bunch, so it it was rough. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. (laughs) Cool. 
Well, let's get into the tonight's topic. We're going to talk about our top five scenes of A New Hope, and I was wondering if you'd kick us off with your first honorable mention. Yes. So the introduction of the cantina band in um, the Moss Eisley Cantina is, I think, super iconic. Um, it just shows like there's like a different, a whole different style of music that gets introduced into that scene as well. And it's in all the aliens and the kind of underworld, the seedy underbelly of, of the galaxy gets shown. It's just a really cool scene. And I think, and I was talking about this with someone recently that, um, my, when I, when I started going to bars, I always gravitated towards dive bars. And I really think it's because of the cantina scenes in <laughs> A New Hope. <laughs> That's awesome. Because they're a little bit more shady. Yeah. And they're just like dark and dirty. And, you know, you just go in and have a cheap drink. The drinks are always super cheap. There's usually good music. And yeah, it just reminds, you know, it just has that same feel that this uh, cantina scene has but i really did like the music of this too and i think that's why that like stands out so much to me it's kind of weird that um they incorporated the steel drums in the cantina band Mm -hmm. because it just sounds very different but it's also just awesome percussion yeah Um, i i was actually um when i was in middle school i was in a drum corps and i played steel drums and it was it was probably because of the music from the cantina scene (laughs) You're in L.A., right? Yes, I am. Have you been a scum and villainy? Yes, Is I it have. as awesome as it looks to be? Yeah, it's pretty cool. They um, they can't uh, technically brand it as like star a Star Wars bar, so it's just like a geek bar sure. now because um, uh, their drink menu has all kinds of like there's like a Wakandan drink on there. There's you know every every kind of nerd <laughs> branding that you can think of. But um, the inside's super cool looking, and it definitely looks exactly like the cantina. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. When I make it to California, I definitely want to go there. Oh yeah. Uh, Most Eisley Cantina is actually also my first honorable mention. I just yeah. love the different characters and it's definitely you feel very different like it's it's another world that you weren't expecting yes definitely what was your second honorable mention um the hug at the very end when luke is getting out of his um Mm x-wing and it's him han and leia hugging and like laughing together that they destroyed the death star and it's it's cute because we don't get we don't get that again until the end of Return of the Jedi, and that's the only other time we get it in the entire uh, three trilogies. Oh man! <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's a I think especially now I feel like it's a really special moment. It's depressing to think about it in that context that they're just not as together as we'd like. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a special moment um, when they're celebrating before the medal ceremony. Mm-hmm. My second honorable mention is uh darth vader uh choking oh i forget his name oh i forget too oh well there was a whole um and did you read the the from a certain point of view like all the short stories Mm -mm. so there was a uh one of the stories was about I don't, I can't remember if it was him or if it was like someone else in the room and they were like talking about that situation, but it was pretty, it was a good story. It was pretty interesting. Kind of showing the under the inner workings of the, the empire. Yeah. Well, the scene um, on the death star with all the generals talking about the capabilities of the death star. Any attack made by the rebels against this station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. 
Enough of this. Beda, release him. As you wish. <clears throat> the idea of someone being able to choke somebody from across the room without actually touching them was pretty cool at the time. And the actor that played the guy actually just stood in front of a mirror and tried to make his neck muscles look like he was being choked the entire time to give uh, authenticity to the scene. And like, I think that that is just kind of powerful movie making. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. That scene is super, that, that scene scared me too as a kid. Cause I didn't fully understand like what was happening. And I had, I remember my dad was like, well, he's choking him like with magic basically. And I was like, Oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> And of course, it talks about the faith of uh, the Force, and yeah. that's definitely just uh, one of my favorite things, so that, I love that a lot. Mm -hmm. What is your next honorable mention? Um, the Obi-Wan and Vader face-off, the their little lightsaber battle, and ultimately, the, and I think the, mo the one that I'm thinking of more is the, when they are, they finally move uh, to the doorway of uh -huh. the hangar and yeah. um, everyone like starts running towards them and they can be seen like fighting. And it's like right before Obi-Wan sacrifices himself. So what's your interpretation of that fight? Do you feel like Obi-Wan's actually trying to win or is he trying to stall? Oh, I definitely think he's trying to stall. And it's funny. Um, my co-host Amanda, <laughs> we were saying on one of our most recent episodes that she, her head canon is that, Obi-Wan knew, you know, he'd been training to um, become a force ghost mm -hmm. uh, with Qui-Gon, you know, and and Yoda. They were all teaching each other or, or they were teaching him how to do this. And um, so he knew that he was going to disappear and Vader was going to be like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And so like when he just like lets himself become one of the force and his body disappears, Vader's very like distracted and just like, where, where did he go? And Obi-Wan's probably like cracking up like on the other side, just like, because, you know, Obi-Wan was always trolling Anakin like during the Clone Wars and like when, they, you know, they were when they were Jedi together. So it, it only makes sense that yeah. he would have done that to, to mess with him. <laughs> it's he had to have been stalling, especially if you think that he in somewhat relatively soon time had the conflict with Maul on the, when in the twin sons episodes of rebels. Yeah. Like that was a pretty advanced, uh, saber duel where he actually saw an opportunity to attack and he took it right away. He definitely didn't do that with Vader in this. Um, so it definitely feels more of a stall tactic than actual ch trying to win. Yeah, I think he knew that was like the only way that they were going to be able to escape. Mm -hmm. And even then they didn't like fully escape. They were still being tracked. Um, but I think he understood that Vader's power was coming from his like pain and his, you know, his rage and his suffering and like seeing his old master would really be a good distraction <laughs> for him to to pull his attention away from from Luke and and Leia and Han so yeah and of course Luke is there to see Obi-Wan get killed and so he's got the classic no I know yeah. it's just great I know cool um I think that is actually my last yeah. <laughs> honorable mention. That's so funny. Um, yeah, like, I love... I think Vader is great at, at trash-talking in the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the first thing I think Vader says is, uh, when last we met, I was but to learn, now I am the master. And it's just... Yeah. <laughs> he's just playing, putting it out there like, I'm going to kick the crap out of you. Um, and I love it. I eat it up. <clears throat> mm -hmm. especially with vader being your your favorite of this film yeah it's like it's a it's a good it's a good vader moment the, that scene yeah definitely and if if you've ever like competed against your dad in a lot of ways like in sports if you ever feel like you actually have an advantage in a game like it kind of boosts your ego a lot um, like I know when I beat my dad at table tennis or whatever, or playing basketball, 
it was always a big, big deal because most of the time I would get pummeled most of the time. <laughs> um, so it was a big achievement when uh, the student became the master kind of deal. Yeah, definitely. It's been waiting for this moment for decades. <laughs> exactly. Did you have any more honorable mentions? I did have one more. Um, so the scene, and it's at the very beginning after Vader has come onto, or I think maybe it's right before Vader um, comes onto the Tantive. Um, Leia peeks around the corner and she has her hood over her hair and she just like pulls her hood back and mm -hmm. just like slips back away out of scene and she's going to go um, like run off so she does or, or whatever she's like letting R2 escape and um, I, I think that's like one of the first times we see Leia's face mm -hmm. like right you know the, the scene right before that where we see her the first time is she's like putting the um, the data into R2 so we don't really get a good look at her but that's like I just love that scene. It's just really simple. Like she, the expression on her face is like, she's there. She's got a, she's got a mission. She's going to complete it. And she's like this beautiful woman. Um, and then we find out later that she's a bit of a hothead, uh, but also extremely brilliant and <laughs> able to think on her feet. So did you watch any of the forces of destiny episodes? I did, yes. I think they carried on that look with her, the episode with her and Sabine where she's giving d data tapes once again to Sabine, and it, it, she has that classic Tanta V4 look, and it's pretty cool. Yes. Um, I love that look, too. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. What is your number five scene in A New oh. Hope? It's the scene where Luke is dressed as a stormtrooper and they are in the detention cell block. Yeah. And Luke, Luke opens the door and Leia's like lounging in her cell. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. Like, they're there to save her, and she's just being sassy with them. I mean, like, she doesn't know that Luke is, is there to save her at that point, but, I'll, you know, he takes his helmet off. Uh, but I just love that. She's just, like, not impressed by yeah. anything. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like taking the legs out of a dude by saying, aren't you a little short? <laughs> I know. So it was really funny. I was looking at a GIF of the trio hug at the very end of the film, the one that I mentioned as one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. And um there so mark hamill is like jumping up and he's like all excited and they're you know him and harrison ford are hugging and he like when he jumps up he doesn't even get up as tall as harrison is just standing there he's so little <laughs> and so he i mean that was a great line like he really is a shirt guy yeah. so <laughs> i'm only five seven so i i know that feeling it, it's <laughs> You can't help it. I mean, you're only as tall as you can be. I mean, you know what I mean? Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, that, that's that's great. And uh, he's like, oh, the uniform. Yeah. I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I'm here to rescue you. Yeah. He's just so such a such a sweet child, sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. And he also has a crush. But we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, they should have told him but oh well. i know r2 should have said something r2 knew r2's a little punk and he's got a mouth on him it's it's pretty clear now that r2 thinks that it's all gag yeah, definitely um for five here they come the moment after the big showdown with well once they take off and leave the death star they get tracked as you said uh, by four TIE fighters in the Millennium Falcon. And Luke and Han have to man the guns to kind of shoot them down. And it's it's kind of an action-packed moment, um, but it's also exciting that each Han and Luke both get, like, two TIE fighters, even though it's Han's ship. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of just a fun adventure moment in the movie. Definitely. I really like that too. That's like, I don't think we ever get a scene like that again in the, in, in the, um, the gunner, the gunner positions till the force awakens. Yeah. Like 
yeah, we we typically don't. We've gotten two in the sequel trilogy. Um, yeah. And those have been pretty fun. Yeah. I like those. I do too. I really like any action stuff with the Millennium Falcon, to be honest. Like, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool ship. Um, and, the like, John Williams just does such great work with uh, the here-we-come moment and then also, like, the asteroid field. Um, yeah. Like, those are both classic uh, songs that John Williams composed. Definitely. Cool. What's your number four scene? Um, it is the Leia hologram coming from R2, um, the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Just that whole, I mean, first of all, that line, just because we hear that one more than we hear the rest of it. But when she's, you know, delivering the message to Obi-Wan, you know, you, years ago, you served my father in the Clone War. Um, that's yeah. how the whole adventure starts for luke <laughs> that is his call <laughs> to have the frame of mind to send the plans in r2 down the tatooine to um obi-wan with this message is so smart especially yeah. in such a time crunch moment when the empire's literally bearing down on their ship and vader is in it and you know that well, you you may know who Vader is. Um, it well, just also is like, very es smart, <clears throat> especially on the heels of the events of Rogue One. Like that that horrific scene with Vader in the hallway, <sighs> just ripping apart all of the poor soldiers trying to get this piece of data onto the ship. And then they like barely escape and then they just board the ship again anyway. And who knows how long of a time, you know, like a day or a couple hours <laughs> at that point. And for her to actually get it down to Tatooine and to Ben Kenobi in all of the, after all of that's happened is crazy. And it's like the force at work, which is, you know, brought her and her brother together and their father, <laughs> if you think about it. She delivered it so sincerely and earnestly. It's it's great. Um, like, if you listen to the whole thing, you're just like, okay, where are we going? What's the next step we have to do? Yeah. And if you um, – so I know that there was a montage made after Carrie's death, and I can't remember where they if they showed it at Celebration or if they showed it – I think they did show it at Celebration. Um, but there were some, like, behind-the-scenes uh, – interviews with her from like when they were filming the force awakens and the last Jedi. And she's like, I still remember that whole line. And she just like, like she just says the lines. And I think it's Oscar Isaac. Who's like, you know, Carrie no remembers all the lines from the old films. She just like recites them like yeah. all the time. What's interesting is that when you get Carrie going, she still remembers all the lines from the old films. General Kenobi, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Well, now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person. But my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion with the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just remember that moment in that montage. I was just like crying my eyes out because to hear like older Carrie Fisher say those lines just like made those lines that much more meaningful. Um, yeah, that, that <laughs> tribute video is so awesome and amazing. Yeah. And then I think um, oh, Billy Lord, Billy her daughter, Lord, yeah. her daughter recited the same speech. She did. Oh my God. <laughs> th that was just. Yeah. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. 
I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. super super heartbreaking but super sweet i love leia and yeah she's definitely i'm she's definitely the princess the disney princess i want uh my daughter to emulate the most yeah (laughs) um i love the fact that she's kind of she's a princess but she doesn't need someone else to save her oftentimes she's saving herself yeah we'll get into that but um yep (laughs) yeah What's your what's your number four? Speak of the devil. Some rescue. Came in here. Did you have a plan for getting out? Yep. Like there we go. <laughs> they're pinned down into the cell block in. She just grabs Luke's gun and shoots a hole into the garbage chute so that they can find another way out. Once again, she's just thinking on her feet and taking charge of the situation. I love that she has those characteristics. Yeah, I love the look on Han's face, too. Just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he like kind of turns around and has this like bewildered look on his face. It's like, who is this person? What is she? That's <laughs> great. Yep. <laughs> Haven't we all felt that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your number three? Um, Vader walking onto Leia's ship, like with all the fog and like all the stormtroopers come out and then he walks out behind them and it's like the first time we see Vader. Um, and it's just like very like everything else is like bright stark white around him like including the stormtroopers and he's just like in this dark he's like super tall and imposing and he has like a scary mask and his cape and he just kind of looks at everything around him and keeps going (laughs) it's it's so iconic (laughs) the first thing he does is pick a guy up by his throat with one arm and chokes him to death i mean yep (laughs) If that's not intimidating, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, you really get a sense of this guy is the bad guy, definitely. Yeah. And then when he has a conversation with Leia, he's just... <laughs> I know. It's it's great, I mean... And she doesn't back down at all. She's just like, who are you? Like, I'm... I'm, I'm a senator. <laughs> like, you're just... Ah. You know? Like, you're nobody. Yeah. Even though you're very powerful, but... Have you um have you seen the I am a princess little golden book? Oh, I haven't. I know what you're talking about though. <laughs> so, I I have a daughter that's 3. Um she's pretty close to Penny's age. Um and she uh we got the uh I am a princess book the day that uh Carrie died actually. It was mm. like right after Christmas. Um and so like that night we read it for the first time and it was just brought tears to my eyes because like we had just lost Carrie and it highlighted a lot of the features of princess Leia that I admire and kind of wish for her. Um, and so like it was very special and it's one that we read all the time together. And of course that moment when Vader's interrogating Leia is in it in, so I just kind of add the lines that she says. Um, yeah. So it's great. <laughs> I love that. Cool. My number three is actually towards the end of the movie. It's when Han reappears in the trench run and he um, basically shoots down the uh, the other TIE fighters and knocks Vader out of the trench. Mm. And Han is like you're all clear kid. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. Oh, I love that scene too. (laughs) 
so like Han showing up when Luke needed him most to get Vader and them off of his back so that he could blow up the Death Star. Um, it's kind of like your friends coming through for you when you need them most. I didn't have the best childhood, and so my friends have become like super important to me. Uh, right. So like Han and Luke's relationship is uh, pretty special to me, and that that that's why that one is so meaningful to me yeah i also i really love that after seeing solo and seeing like that line that kira says to him like i know who you really are you're the good guy like han had like a gangster on his back who you know he owed money to he needed to get back but he you know he did the right thing he came back and saved his friend because he takes care of the people that you know, he loves and he continually does that throughout the films. And I really, I really love Han Solo for that. He's a big softy. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, he tries to have a tough exterior, exterior to get street cred or to be intimidating yeah. a little bit. But at the same time, I think he does really care about people. Um, at yeah. least some of the people that he lets into his, his, uh, his inner circle. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's kind of, I mean, as we saw, he kind of, that was a survival tactic, you know, all that bravado and, you know, confidence and, you know, but I, I really like that we see like who he is with Leia and Luke and even Lando to an extent. (laughs) I love the, I hate you. I know line. That's pretty awesome. It's so good. (laughs) Han and Lando have a great rapport. Yeah, I agree. I was just telling someone I can't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray so I can watch it over and over. I, I'm i kind of embarrassed to say I've only seen it once. Um, oh, I've only seen it twice. So, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I, I saw the very first screening, and I was a little disheartened at the time. And Star Wars fandom took a nasty turn that just made me a little sour on things and oh i kind of avoided it for a while so yeah but i'll be excited to see it again i hope that there's uh some new things i haven't seen before yeah definitely cool uh what is your number two um the opening sequence uh at, right after the crawl where you just see the um leia's ship and then the star just or yeah the star destroyer coming out and i i love those opening scenes where it gives you kind of a sense of scale of these ships and there's so so many openings in star wars have that and it's so i love it it's it's so star wars like you know it's a star wars movie (laughs) when you see that opening i think that that was pretty risky back in the 70s like in 77 that just to have it go on and on and on that this one ship, it, it takes so long for it to fly overhead. Um, yeah. I mean, and it is supposed they, to give you that scale, but, um, yeah. And they were using models for all of this too. It's not like they had computer animation or computer graphics back then. <laughs> so can you imagine how slow that camera had to be moving? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's pretty awesome. It, it definitely, transported you to another world i love that that scene that the movie basically opens through the droid's point of view and that's only a one-sided conversation because you only understand 3po yeah i mean that's another big risk that it takes just i think it's 17 minutes or something like that where the only thing you're really listening it's probably not that long but the only thing you're really listening to is 3PO talking to R2. Um, and it kind of, because it focuses on droids, it, that's the only thing you have to relate to. Um, you kind of just accept what they see as reality. And it, it, it makes the audience kind of buy in a little bit faster, do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's very possible. That's very true. My number two is... Obi-Wan's hut, uh, where Obi-Wan is talking to Luke Skywalker. 
my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. And he was a good friend. Which reminds me, I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? Now the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Now, let's see if we can't figure out what you are, my little friend. And where you come from. I saw part of the message. He w I seem to have found it. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You must learn the ways of the Force if you're to come with me to Alderaan. It's basically our introduction to the Force, uh, at least more information of the Force and the Jedi Knights and the Clone Wars. And then we also get to hear the full Leia message in the hut. I yeah. just really love um, all of that. Uh, and it, it, they take time to kind of just have a pretty in-depth conversation. Yeah, um, and it's funny, too, because that's really the only information we got about the prequel trilogy, yeah. <laughs> like, up until we found out, you know, that, you know, about Vader's uh, or Anakin's fall. Um, but really, that's like that conversation is w the entire prequel trilogy, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. They also used... Um, that scene as a trailer, I think, for episode three. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, where it's just Obi-Wan talking about the Force and the Jedi Knights, and it, it was one of my favorite uh, trailers of the prequels because oh, it, cool. it did call back to the original trilogy so much. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't really remember a lot of the trailers from the uh, the prequel movies. I, remember, I do remember the Phantom Menace one, that one where... Um, uh, Duel of the Fates oh, plays, yeah. and it was just like because it was so insanely good and memorable. But I don't really remember from the other two movies. I was in college um, in '98 and '99, 
And so it took so long for that stupid trailer to download so oh, yeah. that we could watch it. It was it was hilarious. But we all gathered around one friend's computer and just watched it over and over and over again. It was fun. It was so good. Cool. Okay, the big moment. What is your number one? My number one is the binary sunset. It is the most moving music first of all it's just a stunning scene and it's luke's i want moment where you know like if you're thinking about it in like a musical (laughs) sort of way um and it's it is the scene that like makes me think of star wars the most or vice versa i guess Um, And then to have that same moment at the end of Luke's life in The Last Jedi is, oh oh my God, just the parallels between that was so beautiful and so meaningful. Always to the horizon you look. Yeah. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Um, And I know you feel the same way. (laughs) I do. It is by far my, my favorite scene in this movie. I have some questions about this one. Okay. What do you think he's longing for? Um, anything than where he's at right then, to be honest. Like, he, I mean, there's a conversation that he wanted to go into the Imperial Academy. You know, he wanted to go be a pilot, like, literally anything. And then he, but he knows that he has to stay and, you know, do his duty to his family. But I, I think he's just like a kid that, has had such an ordinary life like they just long for adventure and that was him in that moment um i think it was in celebration anaheim mark hamill had a panel where he talked about luke's introduction in a new hope and how mark is actually a little bit sad that the first scene of luke skywalker isn't what was in the script because he wanted everyone to see more of what Luke's life was like on Tatooine. Um, I think that there's a cut scene where he goes to a bar and some of his quote unquote friends are calling him wormy. Um, And so I think that Luke kind of feels like he doesn't belong on Tatooine. Um, And he kind of feels picked on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, in in the binary sunset, I think that he does. I think he longs for adventure and significance. I think that's why he wants to do the Imperial Academy. But I also think that there's some of that feeling like you're a caterpillar in a world of butterflies, like. He, like he just doesn't fit in and he wants to somewhere where he does fit in. Yeah. And, well, I mean, there's a moment too, when aunt Baru is saying like, he's not a farmer, <laughs> you know, like that's not and, and she, and they know like where he came from and like who his parents are. Right. Like he came from, you know, force royalty in a sense, if we want to call it that, and a famous senator slash queen that was like an amazing politician mm-hmm. and diplomat. So she knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think even if he doesn't know, like he he knows deep down that he doesn't belong there. Uh, yeah, definitely. The music in that moment, I think the audience just connects so powerfully to that kind of emotion. I think that that's a feeling that a lot of us have felt like those desires are pretty universal. Um, Yeah. And it just kind of carries you into the Skywalker saga in a whole new level. Yeah. It's so powerful. I love it. Um, It's one of my favorites in the entire saga. Yep. I agree. Cool. Uh, well, we saved one of the poll questions um, for now so that we didn't ruin our top five. <laughs> <laughs> the last poll question I asked was, what is the most iconic scene of A New Hope? Um, 
And the answers I gave were opening Star Destroyer, uh, the Binary Sunset, the Most Likely Cantina, and the Yavin 4 Medal Ceremony. The winner of the poll was the Binary Sunset with 44%. Um, Only 44%? That kind of surprises me. (laughs) The opening Star Destroyer actually had 38%. So I think that that the opening of A New Hope actually is pretty iconic because of uh, that opening shot. Yeah, that's true. Um, But but Binary Sunset is by far more iconic, I think. (laughs) Yeah, like it's just so beautiful like it's more hopeful for sure yep yeah very cool oh that was that's awesome i love uh, now i want to go watch a new hope i like had such a hard time picking these i wanted to just put the entire movie in here because there's like so many scenes that i like adore in this film did you before you saw rogue one did the um the vent bother you at all or are you glad that they actually explained that oh and no it didn't bother part. me it didn't bother me <laughs> i i didn't think about it that i mean i didn't analyze a new hope that deeply i mean i just accepted it for what it was but i think now that with rogue one it makes a little bit more sense that it was put there intentionally well, it makes more sense why they would build a second Death Star, to be honest, because I was kind of confused. But I was like, why would you build a f- one, like a second one if you if there were flaws in the first one that were so easily found out by the rebellion? Mm-hmm. But now it makes more sense because they're like, oh, like we got rid of that, you know, intentional flaw and we made, a you know, a more secure Death Star. But um, Star Wars has just always been around for me. So it's like one of those things that you don't I don't think through a lot, like A New Hope, especially like I don't really like I just kind of accepted it for what it was, I think, (laughs) because it's just always been a part of my life. Have you ever done a a New Year's with A New Hope with where they blow up the Death Star at midnight? No, but I've always wanted to. Maybe I'll try to do that this year. Yeah. we always like think about it and then we like forget and then it's too late <laughs> to start it. <laughs> yeah. I typically have New Year's Eve parties and no one really is into watching Star Wars at those. So Yeah. <laughs> we just you start, hang out socially and Yeah, talk you to start our drinking. Friends. You start drinking and then you're like, Oh my god, it's already eleven o'clock. We forgot to put the movie on. Oh, oh well. Oh well. <laughs> Jess, I, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to me tonight. Um, where can people find you online? Thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Um, and also you can find me um, on the uh, Making Star Wars Rebel Girl podcast. Every Friday we release, or every other Friday we release a new episode. And we actually just launched a Patreon page that has lots of good content on there if you want to check that out. Um, and the Twitter for the podcast is MSW Rebel Girl, and Girl has three R's and no I. If that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't understand how that worked. Well, I sort of do because my best friend also has uh, a girl username. Mm-hmm. I think she said it was like a punk thing. Um, yeah, it's um, from the band uh, Riot Girl. Yeah. Or the, the, not the band, but like the movement. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Jess, I'm so glad that you joined Rebel Girl with Amanda permanently. And you guys have a great rapport and a good vibe. Yeah, um, thank you. So I really enjoy you guys together. Uh, I appreciate that. She's fun to podcast with. <laughs> she's very sweet and she's very thoughtful. Um, yeah, she's like super smart and she... It's always on top of her, everything. <laughs> I feel like I'm a mess and I never know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's pretty great. So thank you so lot. It's been a pleasure having you on. Now it's time to hear from you, the audience. Uh, you can email us your favorite scene from A New Hope at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast at moonjockeyspod. You can follow me at Balls and Play. Uh, thank you for listening and until next time. May the force be with you. Always.
Push the button, Chewie.